Domain names are changing. .co.uk and .com and other country-coded names are making way for branded alternatives like .marketing and .finance. In this episode, I talk to domain expert Dickie Armour about how you can use generic top-level domain names to enhance your company or personal brand. We also talk about the sales books Dickie has written and his best-selling crime thriller, The Habit. That's all right here in episode 90 of the Marketing, Protection and Finance podcast. Welcome. You're listening to the podcast for financial services professionals looking to share business ideas and inspiration in the world of marketing, protection and finance. So let's get on with the show. And here's your host, Roger Edwards. Hey everyone, welcome to the Empath Podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for streaming. And thanks for all your feedback, particularly about last week's episode where I interviewed Eleanor Gould. Guys, if you enjoy the podcast, please help me out by sharing it with one of your friends or one of your colleagues. Drop them a quick email, hit them up on social. I'd really appreciate it if you could help me spread the word about the Marketing Protection and Finance podcast. So let's talk domain names and crime fiction and video marketing. Let me introduce you to Dickie Armour. Dickie is a sales troubleshooter with 34 years in business and over 16 years experience running internet-related businesses around the domain name, email services and web hosting and three years in the brand licensing industry. He's passionate about helping big brands get closer to their fans and he loves the internet. As Richard Armour, Dickie also wrote a crime fiction book called The Habit. He's also a prolific user of live streaming video platform Periscope. So let's get right into that interview here on the Marketing, Protection and Finance podcast. Dickie Armour, welcome to the Empath podcast. Thanks, Roger. It's really great to be here. Dickie, tell me, where are we Skyping each other from today? Of course, I'm in Edinburgh. And I'm also in the UK. I'm in Bristol, down in the southwest. And I imagine the weather is just as roastingly hot as it is up here. Um, no, not anymore. We've kind, of had, we've kind of had our summer, I think. Yeah, well, they do say that summer's the best day of the year in Scotland, so maybe <laughs> the same is the same as in Bristol. Dickie, we've got a lot to talk about today. Very interested in your career as an author, in your career as a salesperson, and now as a as a person who sells domain names. And that's quite an interesting little bit of an area for us to investigate later on the subject of personal branding and how independent financial advisors and indeed all professionals can create create their own personal brand. But before we get on to all of that, Dickie, tell everyone who's listening to the podcast a little bit about yourself, where you came from, where you're going, what your ambitions are, and basically, what makes Dickie Armour tick? Thanks, Roger. Um, So I love life. I absolutely love people. I'm a people person. And I love helping people. That's what drives me. That's what gets me out of bed. Um, So quick background, I was um, a stockbroker in London for 16 years. So I actually started on the floor of the London Stock Exchange in 1983, the good old days. And I um, I actually found a picture of myself on the London Stock Exchange floor during the flotation of British Telecom in November 1984. Wow. Um, So I've got, got that framed on the wall of my office. And then, of course, Big 
Bang happened in 1986, where all the different sort of companies, UBS and all the big American firms came in and took over all the, the stockbroking companies. Yeah. And the stock exchange floor was shut. And we all then went upstairs. And um, I then became what they call an IDB, an interdealer broker. We offered a screen-based dealing service to the professional market traders. And we it was an anonymous um, screen based dealing service and we just matched buyers and sellers and we took a small commission out of the middle. So to give you an idea, that small commission uh, for every million pounds of business that we did, we used to make £39. Wow. So we used to have to do quite a lot of business. But you know, the, the way the stock market was, we did do lots of business. And I was on the equity side to begin with, and then I moved across onto the gilt-edged um, market, um, government debt, and that was always very, very lucrative. And I then reached a crossroads of my life in 1999 where I was engaged to be married to the love of my life. She rides horses for Great Britain. She does dressage. Amazing what you can do with horses. But we couldn't. The one thing we we couldn't do was tie them up outside my flat in London <laughs> so that was the first stumbling block hurdle as it were and then the second one was my poor dad was diagnosed with terminal cancer and he uh -huh. was my best friend he was um, also from Scotland he was born and bred in the Gorbals in Glasgow okay uh, lovely lovely bloke he was my best friend and he had a great phrase don't let the dream stealers steal your dreams I like and I love that. that I like I that, that. Don't let the dream stealers steal your dreams. And I think too many people in life do steal dreams. And I think, you know, we seem to have this sort of weird default negative setting when you say to someone, oh, I'm going to go and do that. Rather than going, oh, wow, good luck, Dickie, go for it. They come up with all the negatives. Oh, you won't be able to do that. Oh, how are you going to do that? Oh, that'll be difficult. And my dad was completely the opposite, and he backed every single crazy dream. And the saddest thing was the you know we'll, we'll come on to talk about you know um, me as an author. But the saddest thing for me was he didn't actually see um, you know my book come to life, which was really really sad. Wouldn't it be great if everybody had that positive attitude? I think it's not just when you're talking to somebody and saying this is my dream. And they turn around and say, oh, no, you can't do that. But you, f you find it in corporate culture as well, don't you? You go into a meeting and you say, I've got a really good idea. And rather than everybody saying, fantastic idea, Dickie, let's get that implemented, everybody will say, oh, my only concern is, or, yeah. oh, we can't do that because of this IT problem, or we can't do that because of compliance, or we can't. And you think, oh, for f goodness sake, let's just try it. <laughs> Yeah, no, you're right. There's the risk register, there's health and safety. Yeah, there's so much at play, you know. And so then to quickly finish the story, I then fell into the internet, as I call it, and made a mind rang up and said, do you want to sell e-commerce software? This was in early 2000. I didn't even know what e-commerce software was. Uh -huh. um, and the business that was behind that also ran a domain name business and uh, a fairly big hosting operation. Uh, we then started selling dedicated servers and I won't go into the technicalities of all of that and that business was sold for lots and lots of money in 2002 uh -huh. I went as part of the deal as managing director and then came back to the company I still work for now um, when we kept the domain name business which is freeparking.co.uk mm -hmm. and we're one of the top um, domain name companies in the UK and uh, we are one of the big registrars and the central registry for all UK domain names is a company called Nominet and I was um, elected onto the board of Nominet in 2011 so I'm a non-executive director as well and Nominet look after nearly 10.8 million UK domain names um, and the domain name business is the dullest business in the world <laughs> but 
I absolutely love it because again I love helping people and every single person's online business starts with a domain name and I really like that whole thing about helping people and of course you've recently just um, started doing some daily videos on um, on YouTube Dickie Armour videos and it really does come across from those videos this whole motivational aspect that you've got to your personality and that desire to help you know it actually just flows off the screen and I think one of those videos if I remember rightly is you promoting that mantra that you you inherited you from your father don't let anybody steal your dreams if you've got a dream go for it yeah you know one of the things I, I believe and I know because you know so many awful things do happen around the world um, and I miss the positive so this isn't negative at all but life is so short life mm -hmm. is so fragile we are here but for a moment and so this isn't a dress rehearsal we've got to be doing what we want to do in our life with our family there's the whole work-life balance you know so we, you've got to do what you want to do in life so I believe the system's slightly wrong at the moment it's skewed the wrong way I still think we bang on about our children going to school to get good grades so they can go get a good job I love the whole Gary Vaynerchuk piece about actually no if you're 22 years old right now 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 is your moment mm. because you've just left university or college yeah you might have a load of debt but you've got absolutely no responsibilities you can be do and have whatever you want now's the time for them to do it as old dinosaurs no offense roger i'm talking about me you know we're, we're past i was 50 in february so uh -huh. i'm having a midlife crisis and you just think wow you know you've got all this responsibility we're sending my daughter to school you know she goes to a great school in bristol you know you've got the mortgage and all the rest of it and you've got all of these bills you've got to you know meet so there's huge pressure Whereas when you're a young kid leaving school, there is none of that pressure. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. And I wish more kids did that. Absolutely. As opposed to preaching conformity, as you say, go to yeah. school, go to university, get a job, earn a, earn a living, get a mortgage, you know, saddle yourself with debt. Maybe go out there into the world and experiment, launch a business, fail a few times, you know, but do something different to what's yeah, exactly. expected. And of course, you did do something quite interesting and quite different. <clears throat> you actually decided to write a book, a yes. fiction book. I, I wrote a crime thriller. I, I love fiction, and I'd always wanted to write. And I remember, and I've actually got it here in my office. My mum bought me a brother typewriter with the black and red ribbon. Oh, yes. Click the keys. Um, and so I'd always loved, and English, I loved English at school, and I loved essay writing, the kind of things where you'd, you'd sit down with your book and they'd say, right, create a story, and they would give you the starting sentence. It was a dark, windy, rainy night, dot, 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 dot. And I loved just writing stories that started like that as a kid. And so one of my goals and my dreams and my ambitions was I'd always wanted to write a book. Mm-hmm. And and I think so many people have these dreams, have these dreams and ambitions in life, and then they don't follow through for whatever reason, and life gets in the way. And I was very fortunate in the city. I'm going to come completely clean now. Any of your listeners that are in the city and you know in working in financial institutions may appreciate this. But the city was really really busy first thing in the morning. So I used to get in about six thirty in the morning to catch the sort of close of the Far East Market uh -huh. um, and read the FT whilst it was still quiet. And then it would all kick off about seven seven thirty, and I mean go completely ballistic. <laughs> um, and then it would die down by about ten thirty. 
and then you'd have a sort of hour of not a lot, and then people would go out for their boozy lunches. And you know, I left I left the city in '99, so I'm talking the Champagne Charlie days in the 1980s and all the rest of it, the late '80s and early '90s when it all went on. Um, and if you've seen The Wolf of Wall Street, yeah, great movie, an awful movie. I absolutely love it, and so much of that is true. <laughs> it's just horrendous, but so much of those shenanigans went on. It was ridiculous, and you were buying business basically because you were only as good as your last entertainment event really it was such a fickle place and so I decided I wanted to write a book and I had that time between 10.30 onwards and if I wasn't at lunch or then the, the afternoon was a bit slow whilst you were waiting for Wall Street to kick in so I used that time effectively and I used to sit writing and actually here's a question for you and your audience why is it called full scrap paper <laughs> never understood that but basically photocopy paper I used to get it from the office and I used to sit there and I used to just write and I've still got my original manuscript which was handwritten in pen mm-hmm. and then later on I bought a Sony via laptop and I just started writing and I just wrote chapter after chapter after chapter and then before I knew it I'd written 114,000 words and I had my book which is called The Habit by Richard Armour, the name my mum prefers, Richard Armour. Um, it's still available on Kindle so uh, your audience can go and buy it. I think it's a brilliant crime thriller and in fact you bought it recently and took it on holiday. I did and do you know what, it's interesting because we sort of um, met each other via Snapchat which is a whole completely different story <laughs> to maybe fit in at the end of the uh, in- of the of the chat but i i bought the book on your recommendation i bought it the day before i went to tenerife on holiday the flight from edinburgh to tenerife is about five and a half hours so in the five and a half hours it took us to fly from edinburgh to tenerife plus the first afternoon by the pool with a cold beer in my hand in tenerife i absolutely flew through this book and it, it it's just exactly the sort of fiction that i like crime a little bit of glitz and a little bit of glamour a little a little bit of um, sordid stuff going on in the background as well um really interesting characters quite a lot of interesting banter and of course the banter that you have in the in the stockbroking um, world came through a lot so for me it was i was sat there thinking dicky why was this never made into a tv series you know i can imagine ken stott in the role of the inspector you know it just all seemed to fit together for me it's a shame you weren't picked up for tv well hey it's never too late thanks roger i appreciate that but yeah you know i'd love that and a mate of mine very um cheekily said that he would buy the rights to make the movie for a few thousand pounds and i went no thanks mate because because i actually believe i still believe in it mm-hmm. but it's like all of these things it, it's it's a marketing piece it's having enough time um and it was published but it was i self-published it a mate of mine um backed me and we did it through a proper publishing house where they got the book in bookshops so it was available in Waterstones. Okay. So it was actually on the worldwide book database. So anybody in the world could go into a bookshop and say, Have you got the habit by Richard Armour? They'd look it up and say, No, we haven't, but we can order it for you. Fantastic. So that was brilliant. Um, and that's basically what we paid for to get it published. Um, but then it's like everything, you need the clout of a big, big book marketing budget behind it to really get it on the top shelves of all of these, you know, um, bookshops. And we didn't have that. So, and this was. I published it in 2002, so it was really at the dawn of the, the World Wide Web as we know today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't really pushed it. Being honest, really honest, all I wanted was one copy in between all of my... My favourite author is a guy called James Patterson, right. absolutely brilliant yeah. crime thriller writer. And have you got any plans for a sequel? 
Um, yeah, I just haven't got time. I have. Um, <laughs> if anyone knows, um, oh, I've forgotten his name now. The guy that writes the Dirk Pitt novels. Um, he's an older gentleman. I'll think of his name in a minute. But he is in his late 70s and he's still writing. So I think I'll retire and then start writing. So I don't want to give the game away of what the habit is in case some of your readers buy it. But you know the story, Roger. And I was going to follow on. And I've already probably written the first... 10 or 20 chapters of a book called um, some a working title The Vigilante Ah, that sounds um, really interesting and no, we don't want to spoil it for anybody no. who might want to read it because let listeners of the Empath Podcast there are some fabulous twists and turns in this book and, and some of them you don't see coming so well worth picking up a copy so Dickie, you've also written non-fiction you've written books about sales haven't you as well? Well, I've uh, I've written a book uh, basically around um, online business called "The Thirty One Mistakes Every Online Business Makes." Right, um, and that was literally I I chose thirty one because you've got to have a number, and I decided it it could be something for every day of a month that someone could look at and make changes. Um, and again, that book is available um, on my website thirty one mistakes and it's also available on Kindle. And I've written a a business ebook all about Periscope. Um, now, I don't think we necessarily want to drill down into Periscope today, but Periscope is a live streaming app which is owned by Twitter. Absolutely mm-hmm. brilliant. I tend to do two or three a week. It is a live audience. I did one last week, and there were 240 people listening to me live, Yes, um, which is just incredible. And I've done so much business um, selling domain names and helping people with website hosting and that kind of stuff just through a live audience on Periscope. And you never sell. All you do is you tell people who you are and what you do and again I come at it from a from an angle of service how can I help you with your online business um, and you know a guy called Grant Cunningham I've been helping him recently yes. he's bought some domain names and he's got a few landing pages through me um, and I, I have never met Grant Cunningham in real life you know we met through Periscope so it's been phenomenal so I wrote a book on how to actually use and set up Periscope and use it to win business and I'm in the process of writing a sales book called Where's the Buffalo Where's the Buffalo yeah live video is fascinating in fact two episodes ago on the podcast I spoke to Alex Cameron from San Diego she was at the social media marketing world conference which took place a couple of months ago and live streaming video is the hot topic for marketeers these days and it's something that you really will ignore at your peril because it's yep. it's so big and as you said you've combined live video with your desire to help people and that's a great way of engagement because you're not selling, selling, selling. You're not promoting. You're just creating relationships, creating conversations. Those conversations and those relationships create trust, and ultimately trust is what drives better business, in my opinion. Yeah, you're spot on. It's weird. I've never seen anything like it. I started using Periscope last summer, uh-huh. and, it, and I had no experience of live video because it didn't really exist prior to then. No. And it was really, really strange. I was absolutely blown away and surprised by how engaging the audience was. Um, and, and actually, how you, you're absolutely right. The no like trust phases happen so much quicker mm. when they can see the whites of your eyes. They can get a feel for you immediately it's great being on the telephone 
that's all well. A bit like, a bit like this podcast. People are listening to you and I. They can't see who we are, mm. but on video, they get to see you. They get to hear you. They get to absolutely learn who you are as a person so much faster. So that blew me away, and I've flipped over to YouTube because what I realized with live streaming is it's live, so it's a moment in time, mm. and that amazing content gets lost. So I, re you know, obviously YouTube being owned by Google, YouTube is the second biggest search engine, and so it makes sense to have all the right tags and keywords in a YouTube video so that people can trip over you and they can find you. And I'm currently exploring YouTube advertising as well, which is absolutely fascinating. All of these strands that we've been talking about today, Dickie, so your desire to help people, writing a book, becoming an author, writing fiction and also non-fiction, and now live video and YouTube video. It's all about personal brand building. You've built yourself a personal brand, Dickie Armour. Uh, we could talk about some of your other personas that you uh, that you use on Snapchat, such as Johnny Fartington Smythe and, and the Brigadier. But again, we probably haven't got time for that. And people wonder, what the hell are we talking about? But personal branding is a subject that comes up on the podcast more and more as we delve deeper into the digital marketing world. And this is where I think it would be interesting to um, go off on a, a bit of a segue into this whole idea of domain names, which of course you're a specialist in, as you've said, you're an executive director at Nominet. I own quite a few um, domain names, rogeredwards.co.uk. I bought that way, 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 way back before I even had Good an man. idea that I wanted to be a uh, an internet person or a marketeer, but I thought, no, I've just got to have that. Uh, I own a couple of other domain names as well, but something's changed recently, hasn't it, which I think should be really interesting to anybody who's building a business or a personal brand. Can you tell us what that change has been? Yeah, so um, for years and years and years, we've, um, in the UK, we've focused on .co.uk domain names. So most UK businesses are sat on a .co.uk domain name. In America, they're very .com-centric. Yeah. So most American businesses or international businesses will be on a .com domain name. Uh, a, a few years ago, ICANN, which is not a governing body, the, the internet isn't really governed, it's a sort of self-regulating market, mm -hmm. um, but ICANN um, is the um, kind of body that looks after .net, .org, .info, .com, those kind of domain names. They decided to open up the route, as it's called, and they let people apply to run a registry to the right of the dots. So for example, brands are also getting involved in this. So let me use a global brand that everyone will, will know, BMW. Right. So BMW's website in the UK is probably bmw.co.uk. They've probably got an international website which is bmw.com. Yep. Now, what they've done is they've applied for the right to run .bmw. Okay. That's an $185,000 fee just to apply. Wow. So that's $185,000. And then it can be in contention. So there could be a number of different applicants for the same. They're, they're called generic top-level domain names. So we call them new GTLDs. And there are they're going to be somewhere in the region of 1,900 new GTLDs. So and there's some generic ones. So the brands are not generic. Dot BMW. You couldn't really argue, even if you were called Barry 
Mayor Webster, (laughs) A, you probably wouldn't have the the funds to go for it because you've also got to prove that you're financially capable to then run the registry once it's up and running and you need a marketing budget and all that kind of stuff. But the generic ones, so things like .shop, .pay, .cash, .money, anybody could have applied for those. And what ICANN would do, they'd look at all the applications and then realize that, yeah, all of those people have got a right and they're credible businesses and they're financially stable. So those five businesses can all apply to run dot shop, for example. And then what happens is it goes to auction. And so the winner is the highest bidder. Mm-hmm. And some of those, these new GTLDs have gone for millions and millions of dollars and pounds um, to the eventual winner. Um, so there's big money behind some of these and then you've also got the dot-com boys which is um, the company that runs dot-com is VeriSign and obviously they're quite keen to keep dot-com running yes at the moment I think people as the general public aren't really aware of all these new domain names so uh, to keep it on a financial focus if I just run through some of the options of these new domain names that are already live and you know up and running there's dot cash there's dot um, credit card there's dot um, finance dot financial dot investments dot cash dot money dot mortgage dot market dot rich and that's an interesting one and dot tax (laughs) dot rich is weird dot rich for a single domain name if you wanted to buy your company name dot rich whatever one thousand five hundred pounds a year for that domain name so you'd have to be alan sugar dot rich or something like that that must be your uh, aspiration to have a website of those names absolutely but But from a personal branding i wouldn't even bother but i so you know we'll come back to personal branding but i quite like these new gtlds so i i've kind of um because i'm in the business I, i want to prove that these things are the way forward so my business is a company called armor marketing limited um and my website is armor.marketing so www.armor.marketing but you know from a personal branding I love the fact you've got rogeredwards.co.uk I'm a massive advocate that we should all own our own personal domain names so I've got richardarmor.co.uk which is my book website I've got my wife's names I've got my um, daughter's name um, and even though she's only a teenager at the moment one day she might want to use it and in fact she does use it um, she uses an email address on her own personal domain name so she's the cool his kid in school because uh, <laughs> everyone else uses a boring Yahoo or Hotmail or AOL email address. But of course, again, the implications for financial advisors in any professional firm now is that you can have a URL which is going to be almost tailor made to your business. So yeah. before you might have been Bartlett associates.co.uk now you could be bartless associates dot investments or absolutely Bar- or dot mortgage or something like that well well the other thing is google loves it because it's a descriptor and so it actually says like ron seal it says what you do on the tin so if you are bartlettassociates.com and you're a financial services company then the chances of bartlett.financial being available are very very good mm. um, even if you were bartlettfinancial.com then i'd recommend also getting bartlett.financial because it's a shorter domain name yeah. so there's less keys for people to type in mm-hmm. if they are typing in they get your business card or whatever it's less for them to type in your web address and presumably all of these aren't multi-million dollar urls some of them are quite affordable yeah the the, the new gtlds then tempt 
to be between sort of 20 and sort of 35 pounds. Dot gold, for example, is around 65 pounds. Okay. So something like dot investments or dot finance or dot mortgage will probably be 20 That's to 30 quid. Th- th- 35 pounds. Dickie, this has been fascinating to chat to you today. And I'd just like to finish off by asking you, what's the one thing that you'd like those people who are listening to the Empath podcast today to take away from all these experiences you've had as a as an author, as a as a dot-com expert, as a as a salesperson, as a motivator, as a person who helps people? Well, I think one of them just so on the personal branding side, um, obviously there's the FCA at the back that they've got to be aware of and they can't give advice um, and they can't do too much on social media and that kind of stuff. But I still think that, you know, you should have your own personal website where you're building your own personal brand. And actually, I think from a sales and marketing perspective, where most business owners and staff what they don't do is they don't do enough. They they do the bare minimum each day just to kind of get by, and they it's a bit like a thermostat on a radiator. They yeah. they do the same amount of business almost every single month, and it just about gets them by. And it was an area that um, I started concentrating on many many years ago, and I think most people overlook this. And it's friends and family, and it's not even necessarily direct friends and direct family, mm-hmm. but the other halves of friends and family. I bet most people in your social circle haven't got a clue what you do. No. And I think what we do is we spend time doing all these wonderful promotional materials and marketing cleverness and search engine optimization, which I thought, oh, don't even get me started. (laughs) But search engine optimization isn't going to bring customers knocking on your door. Your job is to go out and speak to strangers. And I think to do that in old-fashioned ways of actually picking up the telephone and speaking to people, reaching out to people that you know already, that whole no-like trust that we've already touched on upon your friends and family know you they love you they trust you get them to actually start helping you say you've got a new target that's been set even if it's your company it's a new target you've set for yourself and go and ask your friends and family to help you because it's their friends and their family and the other halves the in-laws and their extended friends and family that won't have a clue who you are they won't have a clue what you do so you go and speak to people. So that's what I think we should all be doing more of in business. But actually take responsibility. Who is your target market? Who should you be doing business with? What are the kind of customers that you should be doing business with? The easy ones, not the difficult ones. Mm. And then go and find out, find more of those. And use social media to listen. Go and find those people. So if you want to do business with Roger Edwards, go and find Roger Edwards online. And go and find him. Go and start playing around on channels like Snapchat. You'll be blown away how Snapchat can actually lead to business. It is bizarre, but it works. But you've got to go and listen and what I call start painting a profile picture of that person before you go in for the kill. And if your website is working for you and it's bringing you in inquiries, don't get excited like a dog with a bone and go straight on the phone and start ringing them. Stop. And go and find that person on LinkedIn. Go and find that person on Twitter. Go and find out. Become an internet detective and find out as much as you can about that person so that when you do finally pull the trigger and ring them or email them, you can start dropping things in that might create rapport with that person. And they'll certainly be aware that you've taken the time and trouble to get to, to get to know more about them. Fantastic. So much food for thought there. 
Dickie, so much food for thought. Before we go, I always like to finish the Empath podcast with four very quick fire business questions. So, as a customer of the financial services industry, what would be the one thing that you would change about the financial services industry if somebody gave you a magic wand to wave? So my pet hate, um, and I used to be in debt for many, many years, and I'm completely debt-free, have been for a long, long time, but it breaks my heart ever since the banking crisis that bank fees are still so high, and particularly um, things like these um, you know, short-term loan companies, thousands and thousands of percent APR, I think that should be made illegal. I think that's horrendous. I think the bank fees, the difference, what we used to call our turn, the difference between the buying and selling price if interest rates are and they are at half a percent and they've been like that for years and years and years why is it that the APR on a credit card is 17 18 19 percent in some cases you know they were like that when interest rates were at five or six or seven <laughs> percent so I, I think that I'd like to see changed um, that's one of my pet hates what's the one business model or it could be a product that you've seen or a marketing campaign that you've seen that's caught your attention in the last year Tell us what it was and what you liked about it. So again, it's it's live streaming video. Live streaming video is it, you should just leverage. You should start doing live streaming. And as I always say, with a smart device, I've got an iPhone. Your mobile phone. You've got a TV station in your pocket. You can reach a truly global audience. But for those listeners that are consultants and are selling time, stop selling time. You need to start using using all of your experience and expertise and start creating products, start writing books, do the work once and get paid over and over again. Just like the financial guys that are listening, they they make a residual income on a lot of the financial investments that happen. We as business people should be creating products, online courses, informational products that you can sell over and over again, but you've only got to do the work once. I think that's a much better way of leveraging the time that we've got. Tell us about an app or a gadget that's made a huge difference to your working life. Oh, way too, way too many apps to mention. <laughs> I absolutely love. So again, I, I would talk about Periscope, for example, because Periscope are absolutely brilliant. That's the best app ever, and it's just a little app that sits on your phone and lets you record yourself. Yeah. And the other one, I love mind mapping. Mm. So the one that I've got, I think it was about twelve quid. So it's more expensive as than most apps, which are free or seventy nine p. But iThoughts HD, iThoughts HD is a mind mapping app. And it is brilliant. And finally, what's the best business book that you've ever read? Tell us what you like about it and what you took from it. Uh, well, apart from my new one, Where's the Buffalo? Go and check it out at wheresthebuffalo.com. I'm halfway through. You can sign up and join the VIP launch list. End of sales pitch. <laughs> my favourite best book ever and it is a business book, is Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Massively underrated, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. It's got 13 principles behind how you can become successful. And what I love about it, especially after coming out of the recent recession, that book was written in the 19, early 1930s, just after the Great Depression. So there's a lot of correlation between back in those days and right now. Fantastic. Dickie, I'm hoping that a lot of people who have been listening to the podcast today are going to want to get in touch with you. So tell me, what's the best way that people should connect? 
So I love Twitter. I spend most days on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at Dickie Armour. Um, I'm Dickie Armour everywhere, basically. I'm lucky I've got an unusual name. Um, so just do a search for me um, on Google, Dickie Armour. You'll find all my different websites. Uh, my business website is armour.marketing, armour.marketing. And for those American um, listeners, it's armour as in under armour, A-R-M-O-U-R, because in England we put U's in, um, <laughs> whereas you spell armour, A-R-M-O-R. So, yeah, Dickie Armour everywhere. And if you want to email me, feel free. I'm Dickie at armour.marketing. Awesome, and I'll include all the links to all those um, connection opportunities you've said there, Dickie, plus some of the things that we've talked about in the podcast will be on the show notes, which you can find at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash M-P-A-F. That's rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash M-P-A-F. Dickie, been fantastic to talk to you today. I've really enjoyed it. I'm very motivated. I'm very upbeat. Thanks for coming on and hopefully we'll get to meet each other in person at some point and have a beer or a massive latte. Yeah, we, Roger, we should definitely do that. It's been an absolute pleasure and thank you. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. I really, really appreciate it. For listening to the Marketing Protection and Finance Podcast. Do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MPAF for links to the apps and topics and books we discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Simply visit rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash iTunes and leave a review. If you are a provider or advisor or journalist and you have a product, campaign or business model you'd like to talk about, please get in touch. You can be the next guest on the show. And do remember, nothing we talk about on the show is financial advice of any kind. It's all just thoughts and opinions, okay?